With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for Cover 2 Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your hosts, Joe Rowles and Jeff Essery. Thanks for listening to Cover 2 Broncos. I'm Jeff Essery. And I'm Joe Rowles. Quick reminder that if you have any questions, be sure to hit us up at Joro underscore NFL, Jeffrey Esri, or Cover 2 Broncos on Twitter, and we'll be happy to address them. Yeah, so today, Joe and I, we're going to be digging into something a little bit different, um, just more of a quick hit style, and it's very timely and just kind of a quick topical post on all the rumors that have been swirling around. You know, there's been rumors talked about the Broncos planning to buy a defense in free agency, and... You know, I don't think either of us really expect Chris Harris to be back, right, Joe? It doesn't sound like it, no. So, I mean, with that, it cornerback is definitely a big need, especially when you look at what Denver has currently in the cupboard. Either it's, you know, you're either hoping for Callahan to be healthy or some of the other guys to come along in development. And so definitely there's a big spot that's left open from Chris Harris's departure. And so that's kind of led Broncos country. Really, it's kind of this past week it's unfolded a little bit with some of the news you know we heard last year that Denver was in on Darius Slay potentially and they would had talked a little bit with the Detroit Lions about a potential swap of Chris Harris and Darius Slay with some other picks involved and then the idea that Byron Jones will probably hit the free agent market from Dallas and so that led to this um, swirl within Broncos country about those two players specifically it feels like. 
And I think the big reason is because Chris Harris essentially was playing cornerback one last year, and he was basically kind of the guy that had to be matched up on opposing number one receivers quite a bit, more, more than he probably ever has in his career to that point. And with him gone, if everyone else that Denver expects back comes back, Denver has two guys coming off on injured reserve and three different players who were benched at one point or another during the season. So there's a pretty big need for what I would say is a CB1. And when you look at the market, the two guys that strike me most as CB1 candidates, especially for Denver, is Darius Slay and Byron Jones. I guess to qualify a little bit, both of these guys aren't currently available yet. Byron Jones, the word is that you know we expect him to hit the free agent market, although Dallas could potentially try to make a push for him, but it, it sounds like they're going to let him walk. And then Darius Slay is still under contract for the Lions, even for next year, and so he would have to be you know had via trade and then potentially um, a new contract worked out after that because he's got one year left, but... Um, we're going in with the assumption on this discussion, and most of Broncos country has kind of dived in there too, that both of these guys are at least available to be had at some level by Denver. They could either chase Byron Jones in free agency, or you could go after Darius Slay with the potential of a, a trade and then um, you know, up his contract or something like that. And so we're going to go in with that assumption that both of these guys could be had by Denver and really break down the two guys against each other a little bit. It's not apples to apples in every sense of the word because yep. both corners bring different styles. Uh, they both have different strengths. Uh, it's not as easy as saying Darius Slay is good, Byron Jones is more good, or Darius Slay is more good than Byron Jones. Like you can't. It's too simplistic to do that. So, and that's kind of where this comes in. That's what makes this fun. So, um, just to echo that piece, I think that's what a lot of people on you know Twitter is kind of boiling down to, and that's why we wanted to do this piece was to really dig into the nuances because it isn't just a, this guy's bad, this guy isn't, or this guy's, you know, would be better or whatever. And I don't know that you can really put a definitive stamp, even at the end of this conversation of who's better or not. It's really about what guy does, what, you know, what strengths to each of them bring and both of them are incredible players. And so I want to get that out of the way first, because both of us will kind of, for the sake of debate, kind of take sides on players and stuff. And, and we've talked about it a little bit on Twitter, but both of these guys, let's acknowledge are top shelf corners and have had good careers to this point. And so we're not knocking either of the guys or don't want it to be like, Oh, you know, Jeff doesn't like player X or whatever. I love both of these guys watching them on tape. This has been one of the funnest, um, most fun preps for a show ever. I think um, it, it's been a blast just jumping in and, and diving into these guys on the tape. It's been pretty fun to go from day three corners to studying two of the guys on the market or potentially <laughs> on the market. that are going to make 15 ish million dollars because there's a quite a big gap between guys who will probably go in the fourth or fifth round of the draft and Darius Slay or Byron Jones. There's a big difference. Yeah. So. so so with that, quickly, give us just a feel for what you watched on tape, and then okay. we'll get into comps and stuff. Um, I know you kind of focused heavily on 2019 for both the players, right? Yep. I, I watched five games for both Darius Slay and Byron Jones. Back when I was doing the scouting academy, one of the things that was really drilled on me was to get at least five games, unless you just felt really, really sold on a player for what they are. And I wanted to give them both five games since I was doing a comparison, so... I tried to watch the hardest matchups each team had plus Denver. Yeah, that's great. And, um, you know, loved all the stuff that you were putting out on Twitter as well as you kind of dug through 
each of these games. I dug in and watched the game against Denver for Slay, uh, watched his Minnesota game and his Green Bay game. And then I went back with throughout his career and really wanted to dig into his interceptions as well, because that's, and we'll get to that at the end of the conversation, but that's been a big point of, you know, him being able to create interceptions. And so watched all of his picks from his eight interception year in 2017 and bounced around from a couple games there in 2017, watched his new Orleans game in 2017. He had an interception in that one. And then for Byron, Wanted to see how he played as a safety when he first came in for Dallas, which is just still insane to me that they played him at safety for the first two years of his career. And so watched a couple games in 2017, really wanted to see how he played against the Chiefs since he played the Chiefs in 2017. He was matched up on Kelsey for some of that game. So watched that one, watched the Denver game and a couple others uh, from 2017 to see how they used him. And then in 2019, took a look at him at corner in, I tried to stay away from the games that you watched so we could have a good coverage. I watched the Green Bay, the New England one, and the Rams game. Good stuff. So with that, let's jump in and compare Darius Slay and Byron Jones. And it's interesting that we're comparing these two guys because like we've talked about, they are pretty much completely different corners. And I'll start out with a synopsis that I kind of put out on Twitter of really my summation of the debate after watching the, um, you know, watching the tape on both these guys. And it feels like Jones QBs just don't target him because he's locking everything down. And with Slay, you want the QB to target him because he's so good at baiting uh, the quarterback and so quick at breaking on the ball that he really almost kind of leaves some space intentionally or just the way he plays it off. Um, he's so good at leaving some space and then closing it at the last second. I think you know we'll get into that when we talk interceptions and ball production, but that's one of the big things that's helped him get a lot of the interceptions in his career. But to me, that's stylistically just a quick Twitter version of how I would break down each of the players and what they bring to the game. I agree. It it also it kind of reminds me of Byron Jones fits in a way that's similar to the 2018 Bears, or at least how he's been used to this point. Whereas it kind of looks like Slay would fit similarly to what the 2019 Broncos did with Fangio with uh, Chris Harris. So it kind of gives them either one of them could easily fit into the other role. But what you see when you watch their tape, it kind of reminds me of how Fangio ran his corners in the two years prior. Yeah, and I think it's a good point, too, that as we talk about how they would fit into Denver is you would hope and you would expect, and he would do this, that Fangio adapts his style to or adapts his coverage to the corner styles. And we saw that, to your point, in 2018. And I, and I almost see Slay fitting into that um, – Kyle Fuller role a little bit. You saw you had Prince of Mukamara on one side and Kyle Fuller on the other. And so to me, that's kind of because that's the the most tape I've watched on Fangio's defense. That's kind of my reference point for it. You know, you can fit corners with within, you know, variations of those two roles. So it's not cut and dried, but I do think it provides a good um, starting point for the discussion because Jones does fit more kind of on that Prince of Mukamara side where, you know, Fangio, to his credit, he let Amukamura do what he does best. Amukamura is good at playing up on the line in press and getting his hands on guys and really just going after them. And then Kyle Fuller, he plays so much better in off and with space. And so Fangio let him do that. I don't think Kyle Fuller was 
hardly ever lined up in a press alignment, whereas Amukamura on the other side was, no matter whether they were running the same coverage or not, they each played it differently with their own technique. And so you would expect that uh, with either of these guys if they were brought into Denver. Definitely. Calling Jones a press guy, and I would say that I would call Jones a press guy, but he brings enough ability to play in off that it's not as easy to just say, oh, yeah, he couldn't do it. And I think that's an important distinction because some corners, if they're not playing off, that's a concern. We'll get to this probably next week with Trayvon Diggs. But that's one concern people have about Trayvon Diggs is how well can he click and close? Because playing it off, you're going to have to be able to close that space that you're allowing receivers. Otherwise, they're just going to get easy receptions. Uh, whereas Darius Slay can play up and up on the line of scrimmage and he can trail, but he also shows so much skill playing off that I do think ideally that's where he would play mostly. Yeah, agreed. And I think in, so that this gets into the kind of that fit and style question. I think Jones's best fit obviously would be in that press alignment and also his press technique is just so good. I mean, I sent you a, a clip I, I posted on Twitter. Byron Jones's press with his left hand is so strong he rerouted, I forget if it was Valdez Scantling, it was one of the Green Bay receivers. He's coming in for a slant, and he absolutely just rerouted him by jamming his shoulder and just got all over him on the slant route. And so that's what Byron Jones, that's where he's most comfortable, is getting his hands on the receiver, playing in that up press alignment, bump and run, um, and really just beating guys up at the line. I, I told you this earlier, Joe, but I think he reminds me a little bit. You know, it's not a perfect comp, but I think he reminds me a little bit of the New England version of Akib Tlaib. Uh, and Tlaib, you know, obviously has some versatility, and especially in Denver. I mean, he played a lot more off, and was he was you know baiting quarterbacks, and that's how he got all of his interceptions, and obviously had some great production in that regard, but also New England just used him as a press guy. And he, you know, you think of the classic matchup where Belichick put him over Jimmy Graham and just had him press him and beat him up all game. That's the kind of stuff Byron Jones is great at. But to your point on the, on the off coverage, what impressed me about him is that when he is playing off, because the Rams in the Rams game that I watched, you know, they wanted to try to minimize that as much as possible. So they ran so many, you know, snugs formations and um, stacks and stuff to keep Jones off the line that he had to back off. And when he did, he's just so good as soon as the receiver, you know, and I'm not a scout, so I'm probably putting it in just, you know, my layman's terms for watching it. But when the, as soon as the receiver comes into his vicinity, he immediately maintains contact and gets into that trail technique he jumps into that closes so quickly and then he's with the guy and so he doesn't bring the weaknesses in off coverage that you see from a guy like an Amukamara or something who is more strictly just a press guy yeah after watching Jones I actually went and watched Prince Amukamara and I ended up watching Amukamara's game against the Rams and there's definitely a few plays in that game that kind of leave you nervous for him just because if there is an area where he is aged or where he's lost a step is playing off, he just doesn't have the same kind of click and close or ability to mirror from off coverage as Jones does. Although, again, Jones is a rare corner in that. And I would say I agree with you in terms of the comp to keep to leap. And he kind of reminds me, and again, he didn't play as much man, but he reminds me of Nambi Asimov on the fact that his ideal, a perfect game from Byron Jones, he probably, you won't even basically hear about the receiver he was covering because yeah. he just erases them. And that's what he does. And so I think for a lot of casual fans, he's boring because you don't see him a lot. But hes that's a rare ability. Not many corners can do that. Yeah, and you mentioned that you watched the Saints game. And, I mean, what, he allowed two catches to Michael Thomas? 
Yep. And, and, and again, M- Michael Thomas for the entire game finished, I think, with nine catches for 95 yards or nine catches for something. But anytime he was lined up on Jones, he, he couldn't get open enough for Teddy Bridgewater to try and throw him the ball. The only two times he got the ball, one time was essentially like a – he pressed up on Jones from the line. He just beat him on the line, got a breaker, and got the ball right away. And the other one was a mesh concept where you're not going to be able to, to follow that if there's a rub. And he just got the ball over the middle because of the rub. So it wasn't even really on Jones. But beyond that, Jones held his own against Michael Thomas. And you can't you I couldn't say the same for Prince of Mukamara. Let's shift gears and talk Slay a little bit too. Uh, because and this is where, you know, I want to specifically dispel the myth. I mean, I've been championing Byron Jones. I mean, everybody knows I like the Cowboys and watch them as well. I'm originally from Texas, and so watch a lot of the Cowboys and so was a big fan of Byron Jones and you know was just giddy at the fact that potentially Denver could be going after him and signing him so I'm a huge Byron Jones fan but when you put on the tape and watch Darius Slay it is undeniable how talented he is at cornerback and it you know that started making me um, salivate a little bit about the fact the um, potential of him in a Fangio defense just man his his mental processing and um, the ability to play in that kind of the off coverage and also baiting the quarterback. It's almost like the trap coverages that Fangio ran a lot with Kyle Fuller is Fuller's playing kind of in that middle ground between the flat from like a cover two bit alignment. It's kind of a cloud coverage, but he can also, you know, so he'll carry the vertical and then he drops off the vertical and will just crash so quickly on those underneath routes or like in a flood concept on the out route. Or we saw him do it uh, on deep over routes too. He's just so good at baiting the quarterback into throwing into his coverage and then breaking on it and just taking the ball away. It, I was so impressed when I put on the tape of him. Me too. And he's one of those guys, if you don't watch a lot of the actual film, but you go look up the numbers, you go look up the PFF grade, you go look up the DVOA rating or Detroit's overall passing numbers, you think he had a bad year. And then you watch his games and you're blown away by how good he actually is. I, Darius Slay was probably the one thing that went right for the Detroit Lions pass defense last <laughs> And essentially, he he was asked to do a lot of what I thought Chris Harris Jr. was asked to do for the Broncos. He basically was asked to line up, move around, and follow the number one receiver all over. And so he did it inside, he did it outside, he did it on the left, he did it on the right. There were plays where he didn't do it. Like Dallas has essentially two number one receivers, so he wasn't always following uh, Amari Cooper. But more often than not, that's where he was lined up. And you could see that that's what they were asking him to do is make it harder for that number one receiver to blow them up. Yeah, and then you you did see as well that he struggled with some of the same things that Chris Harris did yep. in um, when he's trying to pass off routes or he's trying to play within the system. He was let down by the guys around him. And there was one specifically that you shared, Joe, where you know he's trying to pass off the vertical so that he can break on the flat like I talked about. And the safety doesn't pick it up um, or doesn't pick it up in time. And so it's a big completion, you know, and that looks like it's on Slay, but that's not on him. He's he's trying to pass off the coverage and, you know, it wasn't picked up. And I think Chris Harris ran into that a little bit as well in 2019. I did too. And, and one thing you touched on, too, is Slay is one of those guys you watch him and it's really exciting to think about what he could do with a real pass rush because Detroit's pass rush last year was not great. 
And you imagine what he could do with somebody like Von Miller in front of him. He hasn't had someone like that since Ansa was like healthy and strong. Like he had, I think he had eight interceptions. So I, it's it's exciting to think of what he could do with Bradley Chubb, Von Miller, and Fangio scheming pressure in front of him. Yeah, and that's a good point too because to me that's where the Kyle Fuller comps come in is when you look at Kyle Fuller and what he was able to do. And I remember a a, a video breakdown is by Brett Coleman. Um, he's a great guy. Has great video breakdowns. Um, I actually met him at the Senior Bowl this past year, but um, he did a one. He did a video about Fangio's defense and Eddie Jackson specifically in 2018, and he made the comment that Kyle Fuller his interceptions and a lot of the way he plays his play style is facilitated by the great coverage that he got specifically from Eddie Jackson, but just from Fangio's scheme and, and their safeties in general. And so how that looks is, you know, Kyle Fuller can play with such confidence one in passing off those vertical routes and breaking downhill um, on the shorter things. And also he can gamble a little bit more because he knows he has, coverage on the back end or he's got a guy you know that's athletic and like an Eddie Jackson that can cover up for him a little bit if he guesses wrong or if he gambles and misses a little bit and so it led to some of Kyle Fuller's ability he I think he hauled in four or five picks last year and I see that with Slay as well I mean he's already a bit of a gambler and is so good at baiting the quarterback. And so you put him in front of guys like Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson and he has, you know, if he's getting getting chemistry and able to gel with those guys with confidence with the safeties on the back end, I think the potential for Slay in a Fangio defense is pretty fun. And I like the idea of him baiting the quarterback a lot. The idea that there, there's only going to be so over many passes in a game, and if you're throwing at a number one corner where he's going to get interceptions or pass breakups, I like the idea that he's doing that instead of throwing at your weaker defenders. And I like that Slay offers that. And that's, that's one of those things you're going to get burnt on it once in a while. Like Slay will give up some catches that he's gambling on and he just doesn't get it. But he also makes you pay for it enough that I, I'll take that. That's, that's one of those things I think it's, it's important to notice with his fitness style because if you just look at the numbers, he's probably going to allow more catches than Byron Jones is. Yeah, and he does. That- and if you look at the advanced metrics, you know Byron Jones' burn rate is it's less than – than Slay, um, and he allows less catches um, than Slay. But to your point, that's, some of that is built into the design a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But so with that said, then, what would you say are their best traits? Like what, what specifically does Jones bring to the table that really just shines on the tape? I think just his ability to wipe out his man, absolutely. Just um, the way he – starts from the press alignment and is able to just carry his guy throughout the entire play and take him away and really just keep the quarterback from looking at him at all. And I think, you know, you mentioned the ability of Slay. If you put a good pass rush in front of him, you think of a guy like Jones shutting things down and, you know, the quarterback has to come off his first read if he's looking at Jones from the start. And then, you know, you've made him now move to other reads and he's not able to get that quick pass off. And now you've got the pass rush bearing down on you. And so to me, Byron Jones's ability at the line of scrimmage and in trail coverage um, is some of the best that I've seen. I haven't watched Stefan Gilmore uh, this year, 
But of all the corners I have watched, Byron Jones definitely had the best press I've seen so far. So, I mean, it, it's definitely, it's, it, it's eye-popping. And it's one of those things, again, it's not going to show up much on broadcast camera because they don't watch the receivers as much, but it's impressive. How about you for Slay? His athletic ability, first and foremost, it's really easy to see it. Uh, his hips specifically, you, you, hear, you hear a lot of scouting terms about, like, oily hips, and that's, that's Slay in a nutshell. Like, his ability to just turn and run. If he misses a press, he still has enough athletic ability to recover, and it's really notable. Uh, it's hard to beat him with double moves. Uh, I saw Stefan Diggs gave him a couple, but he he can stick with most guys through it because he's so good at recovering, even if he takes it like a half step. I thought, and you touched on this, but his mental processing, the ability to like kind of try and tell other people on the move. A lot of people in the secondary do that. A lot of corners will do that, but his ability to do it, do it well, and he can kind of be a step ahead is noticeable. And then the one thing that I really, really liked about Slay kind of almost has like a Richard Sherman-esque ability to both watch his receiver but keep an eye on the quarterback. Yeah. And it it helps him anticipate where the ball's coming. He did it to Aaron Rodgers once. Aaron Rodgers was trying to throw a slant flat at him. And before Rodgers actually let go of the ball, Darius Slay was already breaking on it. And he came up on the flat, and the flat went nowhere. Uh, The receiver caught it, but he was already getting hit by Slay by the time he brought it in. And it's just, that's what you get with him. You might complete the pass, but they'd rather... It's better to throw that pass on him than someone else, and that's something Slate brings to the table. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Yeah. And for, I mean, you flip over from the strengths to the weaknesses side. I think that's one of the things that Slay brings that Byron Jones doesn't as much. And, and, and we talked about this a little bit, but I don't worry about Byron Jones in in off coverage or if he's not able to press. So he's not just a press guy, but he's definitely doesn't have the ability that Slay does to mirror, especially those quick receivers. I think he's super athletic and he impressed me in off coverage, probably more so than I expected as I dug into the tape. But, I mean, there was one specifically in the New England game, Julian Edelman gave him a little shake and got away from him. Um, and he's just, you know, to me, that's where he comps kind of to Aqib Tlaib as well. You know, he's he's a bigger guy. 
and that plays well with him when he takes on those bigger receivers, but it also gives him a little bit of trouble when he's manning up against, you know, I would worry about him alone against a guy like Tyreek Hill. Of course, I mean, I don't know that there, there's not many guys that you wouldn't worry about alone against Tyreek Hill. But, I know what you mean, though. But yeah, in, in terms of like the quickness and getting away from him. Now, I would like to see him get in front of Tyreek and beat him up a little bit at the line in terms of, you know, pressing him and getting on top of him. And I think he could definitely shut him down that way. But uh, I think to me, that's one of his weaknesses is just guys with quickness and, and um, coming out of routes quickly. I think with Slay, the biggest thing for me is this tackling. And, it, and, it, and it's, it's kind of important to make a distinction with it because he's definitely a willing tackler. But there, there were, I think, three or four different times I just noticed he went in for the tackle and it either was not a great tackle and he had to struggle to get him down or he didn't make the tackle. He made it and then he fell off, especially for bigger players. And this kind of ties into the other big weakness I noticed with him. His play strength is probably adequate, not necessarily good. Yeah. Uh, he's listed at six foot and he probably is, but he's not a really strong or big corner. And you'll notice this, especially when he's trying to make pressing, like he's pressing at the line, his, his punch doesn't really carry a lot of weight behind it. So if he doesn't land it clean, the receiver basically doesn't even, isn't affected. This really, really showed up in the Broncos game. Cortland Sutton takes a press from Darius Slay at one point, basically just shucks off of it. And Darius Slay is really lucky that Drew Locke was late on the nine route because otherwise that probably would have been a touchdown. And I think that's probably his biggest weakness. And it's it, unfortunately for him, I think Matt Patricia asked him to press quite a bit last year. And I don't think that was the strength of his game. Yeah. And what I liked about him from the press alignment is that he did show the ability and you brought this up to me, Joe. Um, it's what Richard Sherman calls kind of the, sh the soft shoeing technique where you're not really even doing a press technique once you're, you know, you're in the press alignment. Um, but you're not actually jamming or trying to get your hands on the guy. You're just mirroring from a press alignment. I think when you, when Slay was in a press alignment and did that, that's where he had a lot more, um, a lot more success. And you would want to see him doing that as opposed to someone like a Jones, who's actually trying to get their hands on you. Um, mm -hmm. And I think to your point on the play strength that showed up to me against Stefan Diggs as well at the top of a route and Diggs pushed off a little bit, but you know, receivers are going to do that. And so they were battling, you know, Slay was step for step for him, but right when it came to the catch point and normally Slay is really good with the ball in the air. He has great ball skills, but Stefan Diggs was able to get a little bit of push on him and create some separation. And, you know, that's going to happen anywhere, but um I think you see it from like bigger, stronger receivers that are able to do that and create separation at the top of their routes. Yeah. Michael, Michael Thomas did it to him once too. So it's just, it's, it's a part of his game. So quickly, as we kind of wind down here, what we wanted to do is put this a bit in, in a, a debate format um, and make a case. And so I'm going to make a case for Byron Jones on Denver. And then Joe's going to talk about Darius Slay and again, it's, you know, we, I, I like both the guys. I think we've kind of covered that today that we've, we've talked about both of their strengths and weaknesses and really like them, but kind of for the, um, just for the sake of it, we're going to put it in debate format and, and see who comes out on top. So Jeff, why would you prefer Jones for the Broncos? I really like the idea of a guy that can win on the backside of three by one sets. I think we saw from the get go in the Raiders game, that's where Denver struggled. Um, and even Chris Harris struggled there. Um, I think 
with the safeties that Denver has, they can hide a guy on the field side on a three by one set, or, you know, if um, they're shifting to that side, they can hide a corner with a safety on the top, but it's when you get the, the offense splitting them out, they've got trips on one side and they've got their, you know, number one receiver, their X on the other side, your corner has to be able to win essentially one-on-one. And sometimes they'll have some safety help from Fangio, but it's, you know, one of the things that Prince of Mukamura did really well in that alignment was he'd get his hands on guys and shut them down enough to not make them as much of a factor in the play. And by that time, the quarterback has to move on or, you know, the pass rush gets to him. And I think Byron Jones brings that to an even greater level. And so I think with a guy like Callahan or Devontae Bosby or, you know, some of the other corners that Denver could potentially lean on this next year, they'd be a great complement to Jones as they'd you know, be the primary field corners and Jones is the boundary guy that you're putting there to essentially just wipe away his man, specifically to me on the backsides of those three-by-one sets because that's where Denver got killed a little bit and Chris Harris even struggled. And we've talked about that, of just his ability to kind of play with that number one guy you know, when the quarterback's really going after you there. One of the other things, too, that I think about with Jones is – He's only played two years at cornerback and, you know, he came in as a safety. We talked about that. And so he shifted to corner. And so I think he's still got some potential on the corner. You know, um, I think that's a, you could count as a bit of a knock on him that he hasn't shown as much throughout his career at corner. So maybe he's a bit more of a gamble, but to me, he's on the uptick right now and he's really only going to be playing in his third year as a cornerback and so he's still got potential for growth in that role and you know and Joe's talked about it before you've made a great point that as he ages he could play safety too and he brings that versatility that you want in a Fangio defensive back and so to me for all of those reasons I think Denver should chase after Byron Jones in free agency I think those are a lot of valid points so I have two two big concerns with them, and and I, I couldn't really escape one of them. One of them I think I know the answer to, but it's it's worth bringing up because I think we need to talk about it. But the one I worry about is the fact that, essentially, like I said before, where he's kind of Nabdi Asma, uh, in that he erases people, because the opposing quarterback probably won't throw at him, it still kind of puts stress on the rest of your secondary to be able to cover in a way – that I think a guy who draws looks doesn't do or doesn't doesn't really cause in the same way. So I do have some concern about that. I think casual fans would really struggle with that because I don't think Byron Jones is going to come in and be a high turnover guy just because he suddenly moves from Dallas to Denver. Uh, and we can talk about why. But, but because of that, casual fans are going to see him making, say, $16 million and say, well, he's not getting turnovers. What's he doing? So those are the two concerns, though, is essentially he's still going to mean that you need to have Devontae Bosby be able to cover, and I don't know if he necessarily is going to get six interceptions in a season. Yeah, and let's go ahead and dig into the interceptions really quick while we're on Jones. And I think it's it's not an invalid argument that interceptions are a good thing and that corners who produce interceptions you know, are valuable. You know, like I don't think anybody is saying that. I think where I have issues with people, especially looking at Byron Jones, is they're not looking at the context of how Byron Jones plays. The 
the way he plays coverage, one, he was he's one of the lowest targeted cornerbacks in the league, especially in 2019. And so you add that in with the way that he plays, he's in trail technique and he's playing the receiver. He doesn't have his eyes up to get the ball. And people are putting that on him like, oh, he doesn't have ball skills or he just hasn't you know, generated turnovers. You have to be able to generate turnovers. He wasn't asked to. He was playing in a completely different um, style that didn't facilitate him to do that. And that's not what he's best at. And so to your point, if he came over to Denver, he would be asked to play in the same way that he's good at and he may get another interception here or there but he's not playing off or baiting cornerbacks or, or quarterbacks and drawing interceptions that way and so when you compare him to slay specifically so i went back and looked at slay's interceptions because of this you know he, people are touting his interception numbers and they are impressive he's incredible with his ball skills but at least five of his interceptions in his eight interception year were just right place right time either dropped passes that were tipped over their head and fell into his hands or the quarterback just threw a bad ball and literally threw it right at him and he was standing there. And so some of that is because he has his head up and he's watching the quarterback and he's able to do that. And so it's just a different style of play. Now, a couple of them, he actually created those interceptions and there's an incredible one that I just put it, that I put out on Twitter that he came in and just took the ball away from Michael Thomas and Drew Brees. And so that was super impressive. But I think, on the interception argument, Byron Jones is getting the short end of the stick when people are just box score scouting and saying, oh, well, he doesn't produce interceptions. Okay. Twitter argument basically is, A, teams don't throw at him very much, and he plays in trail. He's not playing in a way that he's going to get the ball thrown in the middle of He's never going to be a big interception guy because he's he shuts him down. Yeah. So my argument for Slate is kind of starts like this. If Denver goes into free agency and chases after Byron Jones, but because Byron Jones is the number one cornerback in free agency and they can't get him because there's probably 12 teams that are going to be chasing him, Darius Slay is a very, very, very good consolation prize. He would be neck and neck with me for me if he was a free agent. And I just want to say this. If Denver is only going to add one high-priced corner this year, I think Slay would make the biggest difference, assuming that the rest of the talent on the roster is what we think it's going to be with Bosby, Callahan, Harris, and Duke Dawson. He can step into the same cornerback one role that Harris struggled through at points last year if that's what they want him to do. He's already done it. He can play inside-outside, and he thrives in the kind of off-man that Fangio leans on. There is some concerns about his age. I've, I've heard it. I know he's 29. But here's the thing that's important to note. Is he's still very athletic. He has especially very, very good lateral quickness and hip turn. He's better click and close than Byron Jones does, and he communicates. So he'll probably help make the other players around him better. More than once during the plays, he was trying to help others in Detroit. And Denver has better defensive talent than Detroit did. It's not particularly close. Detroit was a dumpster fire last year. Lastly, I think Darius Slay is very, very good at mirroring. He's capable of matching up. He did it all over his tape. Uh, and I think it's notable that while the Lions' defense was among the worst in the league, according to Football Outsiders' DBOA, they were still a top-10 team against wide receiver ones. That's crazy, uh, especially when you can consider the fact they didn't have a pass rush. And I think in a lot of ways, Darius Slay's 2019 reminds me of Chant Bailey's during the Josh McDaniels era. Yeah, it was great point. It was Champ Bailey surrounded by a bunch of garbage for a lot of time, and he still looked like Champ Bailey. So I think there is some potential for that with Darius Slay. 
And granted, I think Denver next year is not going to have a dumpster fire defense. So kind of the sky's the limit on what he could give you in return. There's not a lot there to argue against. I agree with pretty much all of your points. I mean, I was so impressed with Slay and the thought of him in a Fangio-style defense. I think he fits the style of what Fangio wants to do better than Byron Jones does, Jones does potentially. Even though we've seen a guy with like similar play style as Byron Jones thrive in a Fangio defense with Prince of Mukamura, I think Slay does fit it better just overall. It would take less adjustment potentially than a guy like Byron Jones. I do think I'm going to push on your argument a little bit of the, you know, instant impact and the, well, he can just target other guys. And I think to me that, um, that isn't as big of a deal because you're going to, I feel like you're going to deal with that anywhere if you don't have talent surrounding you. Um, and you kind of, made the, you made the point a little bit about the, the lion's defense is, you know, okay. They, they played well against number one receivers, but they were completing balls everywhere else and their defense wasn't doing anything because again, they didn't have any help around them. And so I don't know that it's as big of a deal that Slay was the only guy making plays on his defense. And for Jones, he was the only guy really covering guys on his defense. To me, they both are, you know, number one, take them away guys. I do think there is something to the argument that Slay invites the quarterback to target him. And so it potentially, scares them or keeps them away from targeting some of your weaker players. But I think we didn't see that as much with the lions as, uh, but my, my, my point essentially let's assume, and this is a big assumption because kind of history has shown that carrying over defense year to year is kind of tough. But if Denver had what Slade did against number one wide receivers last year on the defense that Fangio made with what he had as a rotating cast and corners, Denver would have been a top 10 team against every single type of receiver last year. That's, and that's, I'm assuming that Fangio is going to be able to kind of keep the defense from being a, a complete garbage heap. And granted, I think Byron Jones and Darius Slay can do that. Like if either one of them comes in as the number one corner, it's going to elevate the entire defense. Like, don't get me wrong. I think that's going to happen. I just think the fact that Darius Slay also invites people to still throw at him with, again, with Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson behind him, He'll, like you said before, he'll be able to gamble a little bit. I think his interception numbers will go up enough. I could see that being enough of a bump over what you could get off of Byron Jones. And I think that could justify what you might be able to get as a third-round pick. I would probably be okay with trading a third-round pick for Darius Slay. I wasn't when we started this out, but after I watched him, I think I am now. Yeah, and I think I'm coming around to more – I mean – not that I wasn't a fan of him before, but be, seeing specifically what he can do and stylistically how he would fit, I'm a huge Slay fan. And, you know, probably if you put them just next to each other, I know I'm making the case for Byron Jones because he's, um, I think he's an incredible player, but I do think Slay potentially gets the edge in Fangio fit a little bit over Jones. For, for me, with Byron Jones, it's kind of like this. If they, if they bring in Byron Jones, and again, I hope they do, even though I'm making the argument for Darius Slay, I would say that they better call and try and get Byron Jones first just because they don't have to trade for him. Uh, and if they can sign him, they should sign him. But I hope if they sign Byron Jones, they still go out and get a corner that can play. I don't, I don't know if I believe in any of the guys coming back enough to say that Denver shouldn't try and do this no matter what. 
my big argument for Darius Slay is if John Elway is going to basically say, we're only adding one cornerback and then we're just going to hope somebody comes back good, Darius Slay makes more sense to me. If Denver's going to overhaul their defense and really pursue upgrades across their secondary, I think Byron Jones is the guy you would do that with because Byron Jones can erase a guy. Then you can go draft a corner. Like if you can draft Jeff Gladney and have Byron Jones, I'm going to be over the moon and I am going to probably buy jerseys for both of them because I'd be, <laughs> I'd be so excited. It, it would be amazing. I just, I don't know if that's what the Broncos are going to do. And if they're only going to do one thing, Darius Slay makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I don't, I don't disagree with Darius Slay making a lot of sense. I think I will. That's maybe that's the the push. Is I'll disagree with you on the on the flip side of if you're bringing in one guy, I think bringing in a Byron Jones who completely erases people and doesn't require. And I'm not saying Slay does require safety help, but I think Slay fits more into like integrates easier into the defense. Um, but Byron Jones allows you to shift a lot of your attention to cover up a lot more spots, I think. And so, you know, you'd mentioned Slay's a great communicator, and I think he fits. He would fit into that role that Chris Harris um, struggled out a little bit. But we also saw str- Chris Harris struggle with some of the talent around him, um, you know, passing off things and, and guys having miscommunications. Whereas Byron Jones, I think you bring him in and immediately put him on the backside of three-by-one sets and let him just do his thing. And then you, you know, rotate your safety help the other way and hide some of the players that struggle a little bit. I might almost see the argument with this part, but one of the things I think is important is the idea that Kansas city is going to be running the division next year. I'm not saying that because I want it to happen, but I'd be lying if I told you that I don't expect Patrick Mahomes to essentially be the roadblock between Denver and the Super Bowl for the next five, 10 years. Yep. Agreed. Denver is going to have to beat them at least once in the playoffs, probably to go anywhere in the playoffs. And one of the things you say about Byron Jones being able to play in that three by one, Andy Reid loves three by one. He does it a ton. So if Denver suddenly has a corner that can shut down that backside on it, it would help a lot. And I did like what Byron Jones did against, you know, the ability to put him on potentially a tight end too. It gives you versatility to move him around because when he played as safety, they had him a lot lined up a lot just on the line of scrimmage. It reminded me of what um, Bilicek did with Aqib Tlaib against Jimmy Graham was playing him on the line of scrimmage, pressing the tight end and essentially manning him up. And so you could potentially see that as a way to deal with Travis Kelsey if they wanted to draft or, you know, kind of craft a specific game plan against the Chiefs is you put Byron Jones on Travis Kelsey and let him take him away and you let the rest of the team worry about guys like Hardman and, and Hill and all of that. All right, so to wrap it up, we started out with a um, wanting to have a quick conversation that led into a lot longer conversation, but it was great. Uh, it was a lot of fun, um, and I think it's, you know, it's important to dig into the nuances of this, especially for these two players, because I think they deserve it. They have such different styles that just putting them up against each other, comparing their stats, all of that, you know, it just doesn't boil down nicely to a quick Twitter argument. And so I think the ability to dig in and um, understand some of the nuance is something that uh, we should do as fans, as we talk about these two players. So, you know, one, one player we kind of kept talking about Jeff, but we never really dug dug into on this is uh I know Prince of Mukamara was just released. It'd be good to probably explore that a little bit more, but uh, maybe we'll save that for next week. I like it. Let's do it. 
Well, so tune in next week, and uh, we'll look into Prince Mukamara and some of the rest of the Broncos' defense.